How quickly can we take another commercial break? Like, how long are we required to be on the air for this first segment is what I want to know. Probably not too awfully long. We can get back to the donuts. I took a calculated risk this morning. Welcome into the show. What's up, Josh? How are you? Good morning. Hope you had a nice weekend. I'll ask you about it in a second. Let me be very greedy here for a moment. Kids are on spring break, which means I don't have to get up at 6.50. Wow. So I, I had that extra hour and 10 minutes. So I took a I took a couple calculated risks this morning. Number one, I slept a little later than I normally do. Number two, I said, you know what? I'm not going to get the breakfast bar. I'm just going to grab something from either, depending on which way I go, Josh, my options are on cue or 7-Eleven. Always got to be healthy. But then I hit a couple of red lights on Highway 9, which there's no such thing as a well-timed red light on Highway 9. If you hit one, you're hitting them all. So I got stuck a little bit. And just as I was, I, I had a choice because I was, I, was, I was making it in time. I stopped by 7-Eleven, get my, my Cliff Bar and my banana, come on in and be good to go. Or I can just get in and see what could potentially await. Tonight's our 68-team uh, giveaway. So sometimes people will bring in food on days like that. I'm like, who knows? Maybe there'll be a donut or something. I don't need much for breakfast. Then I walked in. There's two dozen Hertz donuts waiting for us. And I haven't had Hertz in probably over a year. So I am. What a, what a morale boost. Oh, I'm, thank you. I was a little bit, you know, I'm still, gosh, I didn't go to sleep on time last night. I was staying up and. Writing a few things. I'm working on my articles for Boyd Street. And just, you know, I had a little bit of a late night. And, you know, I, I filled out my bracket. I don't really like the way that it looks. I'm overanalyzing it. And I walked in, and as soon as I saw those two dozen donuts, I believe who we give credit to, Donnie from Yukon, ordered those up this morning. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, thank you, Donnie. That was really nice. So, thank you. It's a, it's a fun day. It's the Monday after Selection Sunday. It's the day when the least amount of work gets done, or at least back in the days when we all went to offices. So we've started our day by, I got half of a, I don't know all the names. I haven't been in a while. I know the Homer, right? So I saw the Homer and I started to cut that in half. And I'm like, you know what? That'll be my second segment treat. But Reasonable. But I'm really excited to get, get out there and get after it. So. Morale booster, walking in the door. Thank you, Donnie, from UConn, Day Made. Josh, we haven't had a chance to do a show like a full show together. I know. I didn't get to do anything uh, on the air on Friday. So how did things work out on that front for you? For those that missed it on Friday, uh, Josh basically got called to call a game at like 7 o'clock the night before. I, I might be a little bit facetious. It was later in the afternoon, right? But it wasn't. It wasn't as if you had a full week to prepare. It's like, no. you're calling this game. Let's go. And I, I guess everything ended up going pretty well, didn't it? It did, yeah. Yeah, we had a good time. Got to wound up calling the state championship, Norman Hyde versus Edmund North, on uh, Saturday. Edmund North goes back-to-back. Perfect season. Though uh, it was a really good game. Norman Hyde had every opportunity to go win that thing. But it was good, man. I missed you on Friday, but glad to be back with you today. And then – Friday's show was just weird in general because 
we played at 12.30, and so usually I would just do the whole show from the hotel and then head over to the game. But with a 12.30 start, we had to be over there. So I left the show for like 30 minutes, and we got over there and got set back up. So it was just a weird vibe heading into the weekend. But thank you to TJ. Thank you to Connor, who helped make it possible. But you ended up getting to call a state championship game, like you said. And then what was it that was number one, number one on the viewing list for you over the weekend? Was it NCAA tournaments uh, countdown? Was it uh, the – well, we're not really an XFL show yet. Yeah, we're, we're, we're all in on Coach Stoops' team and, and maybe St. Louis to a certain extent for me, but we're, we're not quite there yet as a show. Um, was it Cruton? Was it uh, NFL free agency, which ended up eating a lot of my time? What was it that was the big draw for Josh Elmer this weekend? Definitely conference tournaments. Absolutely. How much do you think they factored in? Because – Well, it definitely hurt KU – it hurt the Jayhawks because they weren't the number one, number one, which we thought they would be. I think it juiced Alabama a little bit. Um, I, I think it might have been a little bit more impactful on the women's tournament than it was on the men's tournament because I don't – there was – I was all – I did a women's basketball show last night. So. Except for uh, Iowa, who won the Big Ten tournament. And got a two seed. Was not rewarded with oh, the number one. What a weird decision. I – I talked to the selection chair last night, and did they bumble and stumble around their stupid decision to give it to Stanford? No, she was actually like really good, and I'm like, gosh, why are you good right now? I need to be mad about this, but uh, well, we can get to that in a bit. But you know, they Lisa Peterson, Lisa Peterson, Oregon now with the uh, Pac-12, I think the NCAA now too. But she she had laid out, hey, listen, in the women's side. We had some conference tournaments that impacted things. Most specifically, the last team apparently in on the women's side was West Virginia. Kansas was the last team out. Kansas lost in the first round of the Big 12 tournament to TCU on the women's side. And sure. it might have ended up affecting them. So I, I know it, it played a major role on the women's side. I just – I really want to dig in to see how much of a difference it made seating-wise on the men's side. Uh, I hated ORU drawing t- uh, Duke. But I also loved it because, you know, you were going to be in a situation where everyone was probably going to pick ORU. But since it's Duke and John Shire just led them to the ACC Tournament Championship, I think you'll have less people picking on Max and Coach Mills and that squad. Or picking them, I should say. So I kind of really dug ORU's draw. And honestly, Josh, I didn't really have a problem with anyone that got left out. I mean – should Oklahoma State have been in over Nevada? Maybe. But, I, I, again, the metrics that they use just showed that regardless of how many games you play in a Power 5 conference, you you need to – it's going to sound crazy, but here we go. You need to win games. And you can play all those great – Matchups. I mean, Oklahoma, you know, you, hey, look, they played as many power five, power, excuse me, quadrant one games as you possibly can. And you got you to eventually win them. And Oklahoma State didn't do that. And they struggled down the stretch. And I think the eye test mattered. So, I don't know, dude. I, I didn't have a massive problem with anything on that front. I, I, I hate it for Oklahoma State. They're going to be the one seed in the NIT. And they've got to go to Youngstown State because of personnel issues. And by that, I mean they've got so much going on. They've got 
what they're hosting, the NCAA championships essentially. But I got to tell you something. It's, it's not anything that I lost too much sleep over. This wasn't like the Texas A&M from last year. Heck, I almost thought Vandy. <laughs> Vandy might have had as, as big of a complaint as anyone. How about Clemson getting left out too? I mean, they'd been talked about as a team that was an absolute like slam dunk. Oh, Clemson's in. Absolutely they're in. Like, no, they didn't get in. <clears throat> but I, I didn't have a problem with any of the bubble teams being left out last night on either side. And women's are men. What about Arizona State and Pittsburgh getting in? Do you have a problem there? See, I don't think I would have had a problem if they got left out and Oklahoma State and Rutgers got in. I, I, I don't think that I would have had an issue with either one of those. I, I do like – I'll tell you what I do like. I do like the idea of putting two fringe bubble teams in the play-in, or, or four total, I guess. I, I think that should actually end up being what the play-in tournament is. Just have it end up being two, four, six, eight fringe Power Five conference teams that are Power Six or Power Seven, whatever you want to go with in college basketball. Have it be those fringe teams and then allow those six teams to just go ahead and be in the tournament. So, so we, now I know that numbers wise, it probably wouldn't work out, but I like the idea of like a, a Pitt versus Mississippi State, Josh. I, that's what I dig about the play in because. You're not really fighting about how could they get a bid whenever it's like, well, they, they really didn't. They got to play their way in. I mean, that's how I view the, the the first four. Well, and the net rankings for both Pitt and Arizona State a little bit further down the board in what the mid to lower 60s versus North Carolina, Oklahoma State. Some of these other teams were in the 40s of the net. But that goes back to something we've talked a lot about over the months and over the years, which is. Don't let RPI, don't let net rankings, don't let it be the end-all, be-all, right? Don't let quad one, quad two be the end-all, be-all. And in this instance, it wasn't, right? No, didn't seem to be. Uh, So, there you go. As far as the makeup of the bracket, didn't have too much of an issue with it. Um, I've, but like most of you, I filled out a bracket. I don't know how I feel about the bracket that I picked. Um, I thought Kansas, if they were making Kansas pay, Josh, for the for the loss, couple of losses to Texas. Yeah, the loss to Texas to the at the end of the season, and the loss in the Big Twelve tournament. Man, it really seemed like they wanted. To- they wanted to make them pay. I mean, in other words, in, in, in my mind, it's well, they could really hose Kansas because of the way that they finished the season, right? But my goodness, did they ever hose Kansas with the way that they finished their season. Arguably, they have the best two seed in their region. You've got to deal with as, you know, a, a, a Gonzaga three that, you know, because Gonzaga isn't new and fresh, we forget about them. But I'm going to tell you something that might shock you. Drew Timmy is still there. Drew Timmy is still playing basketball for Gonzaga. That's true, correct. Which is a, a, a long time. UConn is a is a pesky four who probably, you know, had as much of a shot of winning the Big East championship as, you know, the eventual champion Marquette did. I mean, even even in the five they put in that regional, St. Mary's is crazy to me. So and, and I don't know about you, Josh. But I thought Kansas got 
if not the most difficult, at least the second most difficult 8-9 matchup with Arkansas and Illinois waiting. You know, two teams that are just loaded with talent and have beat some big-time names so far this season. If Kansas ends up making it to the Final Four, just based on the way that this region is set up, they're going to, unless you get wild upsets, which we always know is possible, they're going to have earned it. But I really, man, it's, is that what is this what happens whenever you lose a couple of games late? I mean, TCU is a six in this league or in this bracket, a six. I mean, I think it's the toughest road, and it's not even close for a one. And I'm really shocked that Kansas ended up with where they were heading into the final two games or the final game of the season, and then of course the Big Twelve tournament. Just blown away that they were made to pay like that. Yeah, I feel like if they could get by. Arkansas in that second game. I like their path to the Elite Eight, though I agree with I you. I agree. Gonzaga, UCLA, to me, uh, looks challenging potentially in the Elite Eight. And, oh, by the way, we've seen TCU go house Kansas in Allen Fieldhouse. So if for some reason it was TCU that got there, they've beaten Kansas and beaten Kansas convincingly. But, uh, I, I, you know, for Kansas' sake, St. Mary's, VCU little uh, little revenge perhaps versus VCU if it gets to that point uh, in the Sweet 16 UConn I don't mind that too much for KU but Arkansas scares me a little bit if I'm a Jayhawks fan they've got the athleticism to make uh, life difficult in that second game but uh, anything else just as a quick kind of thought we hit hey here's how it felt with the actual makeup of the tournament team's not getting in I know there's some outrage from Oklahoma State fans and I get it and I understand it I didn't have a big issue with it Talked briefly about just kind of the, the the general makeup of the field, but anything else catch your eye? And you're like, hey, I, I think this could be problematic for X, Y, or, or Z. Because I had one that really blew my mind. What what else do you think? I, I, I feel like Alabama's going to the Final Four. I thought Alabama got about as close to a breeze to the Elite Eight as you could get. Um. And and I maybe part of that is how well they're playing too, Josh. But you know they'll run circles around Virginia if they play them. Just if if Chalk holds in the Sweet Sixteen, I think that you know Maryland or West Virginia. Even though West Virginia is always a problem with the way that they play, but you know it seems like Alabama should have the guard play where that's not an issue. And then that bottom part of the bracket, I mean, I. That's Collision kind of, course, yeah. Arizona Baylor. I kind of, I kind of feel like that. I'm going to say this, and I know I'll change my mind five times, but I felt like whenever I saw that bracket, when I saw that South Regional, I felt like that's the one that has the best chance to hold the form. Where whenever you're you're looking at the final four in that regional, it's the one, two, three, and four, and that's even with Baylor playing as poorly as they have in the Big Twelve tournament and against Kansas State at the end of the regular season. Speaking of Kansas State, I like their draw with uh, Marquette in the bottom half of that bracket. Probably got to get your way by Kentucky, who top to bottom maybe is a little more athletic than you, but win that second game. And, and I, I like Kansas State's chances to perhaps meet Purdue in the Elite Eight. Favorite Cinderella pick right now? I have to think about okay, it. Okay, take your time. I mean, this thing doesn't start till Thursday. Everyone feels like, you know, I, I deal with a guy on Sunday nights who is has to be the first one to fill out his bracket for some reason and then tell you about it for the next month, even though it's wrong. I'll, I'll give you one that I like just real quick before a break. I am very 
and I and I don't really know if you can necessarily call it an upset, but man, Providence as an eleven, Providence as an eleven, because I feel like I've been waiting all season long for Kentucky to do something. What's that little meme with the stick guy holding the stick and he's he's poking his dog? He's like, do something. That's how I feel like I am with Kentucky right now, and I I think UCLA Gonzaga has the chance to be epic in the Sweet Sixteen out west between the Bruins and the Zags. Rematch of that terrific Final Four game? Yeah, from literally this this same group of players for UCLA. UCLA's a veteran team, man. I think they're going to win it all. That's my pick right now. Oh, really? Yeah, 19, uh, let's see, 8th grade, ninth grade, 10th grade, Chris Plank is very happy right now. But I really, really, Josh, dig that path for UCLA. I don't think it's easy, um, but I do think that as long as they don't stumble against, say, a Boise or a Northwestern, I think they're going to the Final Four. I think Mick Crone has got himself a wagon this year in the Bruins, and I think they want to prove something. But I also wonder, all right, what's going to be left of Kansas by the time they get there? Not a lot of depth. You know, in Illinois, you got a team that's got a little bit of size if they play them in the second round. Then you got to deal with some pretty intense squads in either UConn or St. Mary's or, hell, even Rick Patina and Iona, right? But I just – I don't know, dude. Something about UCLA, as soon as I saw the bracket, I thought, mm, I think they might win it all this year. I really do. And and also watched it on Saturday night, and I thought they got hosed against Arizona. But think about it. Think about a team that you look at from an underdog perspective where you're like, okay, I think they can end up making a run. And I got about five or six more I think you should also highlight. I struggle with that because my bracket usually looks one, two, maybe a three, uh, maybe a four. Oh, I'm always chalk. I mean, I'm just – that's literally – I always – I'll find one or two upsets that I get drunk on, and I'm like, that's my upset. But outside of that, dude, I am Chalky McChalkerson. I mean, I think, it is chalk all the way. I'm going to say something that's a little crazy, Uh-oh. okay? I love this. I actually think Iowa could beat Houston in the second game. If they can get by Auburn, that to me was the best one-seed draw they could have gotten. I like it. So – the way they can shoot the basketball, if they – and this is true, I'm sure, for a bunch of teams in the field, but with Chris Murray, who arguably is the most talented player or one of them in that region, I could see them shocking Houston. I would love that. I would love that. Not because I want to see anything happen with Kelvin Sampson's team getting eliminated, but we need, we haven't had a good 8-9 craziness, it seems like. Even though I, we did get one eight nine last year, but I don't feel like we've really had too terribly much eight nine craziness that shook the whole foundation of the tournament. I'll take it this year. I'll allow it. All right, quick break. When we come back, listen, we're twenty minutes in, and I haven't even talked about the softball trip this weekend. So let's get after that next, right here on the ref. All right, welcome back into the Plank Show. I got down a whole donut during the break. Half the of a homer. Yeah, half of a homer. Oh man! And then a. Uh, a quarter of the one with the marshmallow and the graham crackers on it. Yeah, we need a Hertz Donuts expert. What what were they? It was from Johnny, by the way, the donuts. Oh, Johnny. Not Donnie. Thank you, Johnny. TJ told me Donnie. Well, TJ's misinformed. Or unless he said Johnny and I'm really out of it this morning. Anyway, thanks, Johnny. We appreciate it. That's awesome. Um, 
Softball this weekend. Let me hit this, and we'll get the Air Comfort Solutions text line, then we'll be cooking on a Monday. Then I can make some more homer picks in the NCAA tournament. Right. I, I don't think it's a homer pick. I think It's I a love, little bit of a homer pick. Oh, you know a lot of I feel like, okay, opinion, real quick before we get to, to softball. I feel like in March, I don't want to put a percentage on it, but I think a lot of you have not watched say UNC Wilmington play but maybe one game this year and you start digging into it a little bit deeper and you're like Arkansas we play them earlier in the year they any good my point is I feel like you you tend to trend towards what you know and you know your team's strengths and you know your team's weaknesses and I have no problem if someone looks at it and says huh Man, I think we match up pretty good with X, Y, and Z team. So, to me, it's just – it's your inside knowledge on Iowa not being a home. So, the ones – and I we'll get this off on in two seconds. The ones versus eight nines. Right. I would be floored if Alabama loses to either Maryland or West Virginia. But Memphis beating Purdue, not going to shock me that much. Iowa beating Houston – not going to shock me that much. Arkansas beating Kansas, not going to shock me that much. I would be floored if if Alabama is not in the Sweet 16. Mm, me too. They look – and that, that's it. Okay, other side of this, just real quick. There's so many times where you fall in love with a team in the conference tournament, and Alabama's a great example. I remember Georgia Tech a couple years ago. By the way, Josh Passner got fired over the weekend. Georgia Tech won like the ACC tournament – and got in, you're like, my gosh, they're good. Look, they're good. Right. And then they get beat in the first round. You're like, wait a second. I thought this mattered. What just happened? So that's that's always a hard thing for me to be able to gauge, to be honest with you. Uh, what were the big takeaways for you from the softball weekend that was? Um, do, do you want a, a game or do you – game? Let's, let's stick with game thoughts for now. There you go. All right, I – I'll get into the the old man complainy stuff a little bit later on in the program. Yeah, save those for a little bit later. I'll say, I might say, I'll save the I don't know what those umpires were doing the entire weekend for a much later date. I'll just tell you this much. Whatever that strike zone was on Saturday, whatever it was, it should never be again. And if we're going to continue, and this includes baseball, to grow the game, our umpires have got to be better. That was Bush League. That was Bush League. And the second part of it, they allowed, Josh, they allowed, now here's my understanding of the rules, and trust me, we got a lot of softball rules experts out there on Twitter.com, but my understanding of the rules is that if an assistant coach says something to an umpire, they're gone. They're gone. They've Now, it, and, and I've seen this play out. We played Wichita State three or four years ago, and their pitching coach popped out of the dugout and, and said something to the umpire, and he tossed her. On both Friday and Saturday, the Mississippi State, third base coach, their associate head coach, got in an Earl Weaver-type, in-your-face screaming match with an umpire. Even saying to said umpire, 
we're the home team at one point. <laughs> you could give us you could give us something here on our home field. That's a fantastic argument, though, you have to admit. Right? And the umpire let him stay in the game. Don't, I don't even know if they warned him after that. Don't even know if they did. But it was, I don't think that was an SEC crew. Uh, this is Chris Plank speaking independently of anything else. Um, with OU softball, I can, I'm just here so I won't get fined. But go back and watch it. If if you want to counter me, and I'm not the the expert when it comes to balls and strikes, but that was that was terrible on Saturday, terrible for both teams. So with that in mind, I think you come away as an OU fan, obviously excited. You played really really well uh, against Southeast Louisiana on Friday afternoon, and then Friday evening, same against Mississippi State. I think Saturday leaves a weird kind of taste in your mouth, Josh, because Oklahoma put nine runs on the board in the second inning. Nine. They they stranded the bases loaded in the first, and then they put nine runs on the board in the second inning and sent, I think, 13, 14 batters to the plate, had like nine hits in the inning. It was one of their most successful innings they've had all season long. And then that was it. It was, it was almost as if they got to the they got the nine on the board, and they're like, ah, I think we're good, you guys. Good, I think we're good. And they missed several opportunities to end that game in run rule fashion, several. And so, wait, scroll down to the number of, of runners left on base. I don't know if it'll be right there if you had to click on the box score, but. I want to say it was at least 13 that Oklahoma had left on base, but it was it was a frustrating frustrating for for a game that finished nine to three. 15. 15 runners left on base. So I took me a second to figure out where to look. It's okay, me too. That was a weird weird thing with the box score, but I it's almost as if you look at that. And if you're even, like, mad, you do stop and say, well, they did put nine runs on the board in the second inning. I mean, it was pretty incredible. Nine. Nine. But it's also Nine. But it's also very frustrating. It was was a great weekend. It really, truly was. I mean, now, I I will say Mississippi State has some, some things that, They've got to work on as far as communication, but it's a really cool campus. Like, for instance, I tell you something, Josh. Everybody found out that the game was canceled on Sunday on Twitter. Everybody. That's how everyone was told that we wouldn't be playing on Sunday. And it was cool. It was kind of a cool perspective for your boy. Because I then, you know, sat and watched everyone kind of battle and, 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 and work through the process of, A, getting us out of there on Saturday night, and then, B, working to make this game tonight against South Dakota State a possibility. A lot more people involved in making a game a reality than I ever could have imagined. A lot more text messages than I could have ever imagined. So that's what I took. I mean, I just 
They're so good right now. You know, Jordy didn't have her best outing against Mississippi State in the second go-round, but then Alex Straco came in and was Alex Straco. So it was awesome, man. It was really fun. And they, you know, they're still playing without Grace Lyons. I'll, I'll play for you what Coach had to say there before the first game. I don't think she's going to play tonight or tomorrow, but I do think there's a chance we'll see her by this weekend. And kudos to Tiari Jennings for stepping up and playing pretty flawless at short. And Avery Hodge when she's called upon too. I mean, Jordy Ball threw a perfect game on Friday, right? So everything is like couched with some, but yeah, right? I mean, there is, yeah, they, they, they won 9-3 to against Mississippi State and only scored in one inning. But it was nine runs in one inning, right? It's like, God, Jordy Ball only lasted two innings against Mississippi State and kind of struggled with her control. But she did throw a perfect game on Friday. So I, it's kind of really hard to put a true cap on what we learned or what we saw this weekend because for every frustration, I feel like there is this, yeah, but that goes along with it too. Or if you want to go the other way, for every celebration, there's a yeah, but that will continue to make this team better. So Oklahoma is 20 and one. one. Mm-hmm. It's pretty good, right? I think it's going to be okay. I think they're going to be fine. If uh, Jordy Ball saves her best for the postseason, I think everybody's going to be just fine with that. And it's not as though things have been really even have really even gone that poorly. She's just set this standard so incredibly high that if the perfect game or say a no hitter or one run ball doesn't come against Mississippi State, everybody freaks out a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I shouldn't even say everybody. Some folks do. Mm. All right, listen. It is uh, nine thirty eight. There's a little softball. Anything else that caught your guys' eye from this week, and I'd love to talk about it. I'll mention, I'll get what Coach said about Grace Lyons so we can play it so we have a an answer. But 6 o'clock tonight, OU and South Dakota State, they were playing up in Lawrence. And I'm not going to lie to you, I didn't even see what they ended up doing uh, on Sunday. They were supposed to play two against Kansas. I did see that Oklahoma State took two of three from Florida State. Do you see how long their Friday night game was since we're on game times? The Oklahoma State-Florida State Friday night seven-inning game was a three-hour and 30-minute game. Oh, my goodness. What happened? I don't know. I don't know. But I, I, Oklahoma State, man, I think they're the number two team in the country right now. I really do. Uh, by the way, South Dakota State split their doubleheader with Kansas yesterday. Won the first game 2-1, to one, lost the nightcap 5-3. to three. We get the Jackrabbits tonight. At 6 p.m. All right, quick break. Your texts are next. Plus, we'll get to the phones. Hang in there. True Sooner, 405-329-9000. It's the Plank Show. All right, welcome back into the Plank Show right here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Sports Radio Network. With Josh Helmer, I'm Chris Plank. We'll still have our uh, football preview at 10 a.m. this morning as we continue our countdown to spring ball. Plus, uh, we haven't spent much time on the women's bracket yet. We'll do that a little bit later on in the show. And what else? What do I feel like I'm missing out on? Hey, right can now? I pass this along? Please do. This is uh, bracket-related. Okay. Join the Refs Bracket Challenge. Before March 16th, that's uh, when games tip off, you'll have a chance to win a 55-inch smart TV plank and a prize pack courtesy of Wonderhouse Design and Consign. Just visit kref.com slash bracket. That's kref.com slash bracket. 
easy to uh, follow and click the link to join our Ref Bracket Challenge from there. Um, you want to get a couple of texts in here? Sure. All right, 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. Softball question. This is from the 580. How do you go about getting tickets for the games in OKC this week? And I tried OU's website over the weekend, but it's not showing anything available, making sure it's not supposed to go through a different site. It's it's the OU website. I I had been told there were tickets available for this weekend. In fact, that's been the the made I'll text Toby Baldwin during the break and ask, but it is my understanding that there are tickets available. Because that's one of the few times whenever you get a chance to truly see what this team can do in person. Because obviously Marita Hines Field outside of this last second edition for tonight, it's it's sold out. It's sold out all season long. So you can't get in. Uh, here's one that's just simply a question from the 405. Beard to Ole Miss? Looks that way. Sounds like it, right? It's like Chris Beard's going to be the next head coach of the Ole Miss Rebels. I don't know how I feel about it. I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about it. But well, he wasn't. You, I mean, charges he wasn't got charged. dropped. Yeah, or he the charges did get dropped, and I think that he's shown he knows how to get dudes, and and knows how to win, and they're going to win some games. So yeah, Chris Beard too. Chris Beard to Ole Miss, I think, is a heck of a hire. I just don't know about the baggage that comes with it. Well, it's obviously risky. Yeah. It's a it's a PR knock to begin with. And he's got I mean, he's got zero zero lifelines. I mean, one thing goes wrong, one false step, boom, gone. Yeah, exactly. You you clearly know. Where your boundaries are, clearly, and you can't you can't make one mistake, or you're out. Well, or you don't know, and you're going to be gone quickly. Sure. Here, here's a good question: Did ta- did Patty take her foot off the gas? Brito striking out, looking at three strikes is hard to imagine otherwise. Yeah, I can tell you that didn't happen. Not that Brito didn't strike out looking at three pitches right down the middle, but Patty didn't take her foot off the gas. That will never happen. Unless unless it's the decision to like round a, a runner around third and it's like 13 nothing. But no, no, no. Uh, uh, Brito got fooled and was not very happy about it. There's no, in that instance, in that case, of, hey, go up there and take three strikes. The, the way you'll see gas being let off or foot being let off gas is like I just explained, right? Holding up a runner, you know, maybe a couple of early substitutions, but never, ever will you go into a situation It's like, hey, just go up there and strike out. I was as confused as you were, bro. Uh, hey, True Sooner is in the house. What's going on, True? How are you, man? What's going on, Frank? Did you have a good weekend? It was a good weekend. Listen to your call and watch the games. and I mean, I was embarrassed. Okay, Tyler Bratton, is that his name? That's his name. Man, I mean, I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. I mean, this dude was trying to intimidate these 
these referees, and I, I guess he our umpires. I guess he did, uh, but it was man, it was it was horrible. I mean, I felt bad for those guys, and and you you kind of watch the first time it happened, and you go, okay, it's not going to happen again. And then this this Royd head or whatever he is, I mean, you look up in the dictionary under horse's ass, and it says Tyler Pratt. <laughs> I mean, this, this guy's an idiot, and I I can't believe with a, a sport that a sport that kind of prides itself on ethics and stuff like that. I'm really surprised. Have you seen anything like that before? No, I've, I have in, in this sport, in this sport, I, I don't need to give you my resume, but I've been doing it for a minute. I've never seen an assistant get after a coach like that and not get tossed. I, and by the way, to be honest with you, I've never seen an assistant get after an umpire like that ever, ever. I've seen a few I mean, coaches get mad, but never an assistant coach. I mean, that's where Ricketts has got to. Then she has to like, grab the reins and go, "Look, dude, you're embarrassing our program. You're embarrassing. You know, this is a, you know, you're playing my team. I mean, out there, you know, I, I don't know, man. I just, I just felt. And he got in his face, and he was doing things. You know, he was spitting in his face. He had yep. to be as close as he was to his. I don't know. I just, it just for a sport that prides itself, I'm, I'm very surprised that they let him. And and then he did it a second time. Yeah, I'm like that. That was the whole thing. You think they'd say okay, we'd have warned him and said don't do it again, and rung him up at least the second time. Yeah, I I will say it was one of the things from this weekend that that really left me befuddled because and, and I I think I don't think they warned him once. I know they finally warned him the second time, but Jen Rocha came out. Finally, you know, I mean, she was probably ready to explode and said something. And as soon as she stepped on the field, they gave her a warning. So I yeah. don't know what was going on. It was, it was, it was an ump show last well, night. Well, and, he, and, and it wasn't Saturday. just that. He, he kept following, like, like that first time it happened, the, the umpire was walking out to the field and he kept following him. I'm like, dude, he yeah. probably walked 10 feet. He probably, he followed, probably followed him for 10 or 15 feet, just yeah. chewing him out. Yeah. So, it was, we'll it was pretty you, well. I'll see you, Chew. All right, man. I mean, obviously, I've talked about it for a couple of minutes this morning, so you know that it was a little bit much. I don't know, maybe maybe someone's listening that can say, you know, that's actually a little bit more common there, a little bit more accepted in Stark Vegas. But I'll tell you what, if, if you get into a situation, if I'm an umpire and and you get someone that gets in your face like that, Josh, we're not only going to have some issues where you're getting thrown out of the game, we might be having a conversation after the game too because that was hands down one of the most disrespectful things I've ever seen. And to be the third base coach who's the associate head coach that, that's getting away with that, I was my mind was blown. And that, to have heard kind of what he was saying to the guy as well, not a good look for Mississippi State, not at all. All right, quick break. When we come back, 9.52, get a wrap on Hour 1 with a couple sleepers to keep an eye on. And our bracket challenge, and don't forget, Buffalo Wild Wings today starts right next. Steel Man out there, right? Starting at noon. Noon to 7, yeah. Start giving away teams at 2. It's a plank show right here on The Ref. How does this always happen? We have two minutes here. What time are you on this afternoon? I'm busting out. I'm right after you. I'm out because of softball this afternoon. Yeah, it's the... 
I knew I knew I cursed it whenever on Friday I said, dude, this is going to be the first well, one I get to go to. I, I don't know then. I, I was supposed to be following you from four to five. Who knows? Maybe I get called in for a, a two-hour stint now. I don't know. I will say, though, I will – how about Teddy going on vacation during the week of March Madness? I think it's kind of almost borderline brilliant, right? Yeah. You almost feel like you have a day off anyway on Thursday and Friday because there's so much going on. Yeah, oh, it's so great. It's such a great God, two I love days. this week. I do, too. I've started to really embrace the first four, too. Like, I'm pumped about that as well. Yeah, I'm not, but I'll, I'll still watch. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's funny because I'm like, man, I can't wait to talk about this on Wednesday when we come in. And then the two games will play on Tuesday night, and when we come in on Wednesday, everyone's like, I didn't even know what Channel True TV was. Everyone's going to have the same Oh, job. that's great. Yeah, it's that yeah. time of year, isn't it? That time of year. We owe you some football content. We'll bring it to you next. Much more from the softball weekend. Some really good air comfort solutions text. And don't forget, we're on our way to Buffalo Wild Wings and more off I-35 in the service road there right by 19th Street. We'll be at B-Dubs today until 7 o'clock tonight. 12 to 7. Get your team. It's Plank Show.